Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. This title of a sermon come up in my heart uh, called The Power of Love. Claire started us off with Live to Love last week. And... Um, <laughs> For the last, what, two months maybe, God, since about November, God has been dealing with us, uh, Claire and I, uh, about create capacity, invite God in. And, and I got so, so aware that when we invite God in, God comes in. God is love. So love is coming in. And, and I, started, I started to realize that I'm not sure if I'm, I, I, I've fully understood what love is all about. If you had to ask me and say, when do you have love for people? Of course I have love for people. Come on, who doesn't? You know, as long as you sit over there, I love you. <laughs> Just don't get in my space. and I'm fine. You know? I have love. And Claire said this to us last week. She said, she said, everything hangs from a curtain rail called love. And from that love curtain rail, you can hang on your curtains. And when she said that, I went ice cold. The, the, the blood drained from my face. Because you see, what you don't know is, a couple of months ago, my eldest son, Jeffrey, he, uh, he lives in Wales, and he moved house. And he said, Dad, you want to come help me move? So Claire and I dived in the car off to Wales. We helped him move. And he said to me, uh, Dad, I could really do with a curtain rail above my lounge window. And I said, leave it to me. I've got all the tools. I'm the do-it-yourself guy. You know, I, really, I fancy myself as a bit of a handyman. Watch out, Colin, here I come. And, and you know what? I can do these things. I can do this. Now, he's got a lovely, lovely, lovely old stone cottage. It's really made out of pure rock, the walls. And, and, and it's great, but inside, inside with the walls, to make it look nice, they boarded it over with uh, drywalling. You know, that's just the normal stuff. Not a problem for Dad. I can do this. So, and I take out my drill, I just got a new one, a big one, I copied in, I got it out there, and I zipped those holes in there, and I put my curtain rail of love up, you know, and everything like this, and it's awesome. Claire passes me some curtains, they're just little sunlight filter, is that the right word? Filter curtains, whatever. And, and I hook them up, and they're amazing. I'm so proud of myself. Hey, Jeff, this is how you do it, you know, and I'm showing off a little bit. And we go to bed, and the next morning, I come in, and guess where the curtains were? On the floor. My rail of love didn't last the night. Ah, not a problem. Bob the Builder can fix it. I put those rails back up, then I take my screwdriver, and the screw just turns and turns and turns and turns and turns and turns. And and that hole in that plasterboard got bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm putting matchsticks in. I'm doing every little trick. I'm, how do you stop this stupid plasterboard? It's crazy. crazy. And, and I needed to get into the rock behind the plasterboard for my rail to stand. So, not a problem. Uh, we come home. I get it all fixed up. Now I know... Clegg says to me, Wayne, in the house, there's another curtain rail. Would you like to move that one? <laughs> sure, honey. <laughs> so, this time, I'm going to be clever. I YouTube it. What's the correct fixings that is required for drywall? 
oh man, I, I took what, about two days researching. I went to the shop and I bought about 10 different types. I tried them in the different plasterboard. I worked out one that can withstand at least 30, 40 kilograms of torque, and, uh, you know, uh, weight on it. Amazing, not just the vertical pull down, but also the horizontal. I had it right, Colin. I'm telling you, I had it right. I took my drill up and I popped. And I got it in those fixings. I sorted out my rail of love, and it was amazing. Now, Claire wants to put on some heavy, you know, these nighttime ones that have got a bit of a, uh, a thing at the back of them that makes it go dark. What's it called? Lining. Blackout lining. So they, 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 these are substantial curtains. <laughs> I hang them up. You think you know what's happening? No, it worked perfect. Oh, yeah. I'm at the top of the ladder, and I'm so excited. My curtains are hanging. My rail of love is perfect. Except as I'm coming down the ladder, I missed the last step. And my foot got caught up in the bottom of the curtain. And I fell to the ground with my entire weight on my curtain of love. I'd just like to repent before the Lord for a couple of bad words that might have come out. Claire said, do you want me to leave the room? (laughs) You see... My rail didn't just come out. It took half the wall out too. I had holes like this. My plasterboard was intact. It did not come out, but I took out half the wall. Oh, my goodness. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a rail of love? What could I hang on your rail? Yeah, you're looking at me. Oh, I've got a rail of love. Mm-hmm. i got one. I dare you to go into the office tomorrow morning to when the boss has said to you, listen, Brexit has happened and this and this, and your whole world starts to crumble around you. What is your rail of love now going to do? When the kids have come for the 20th time and disobeyed you, what are you going to do when you have to start to hook on that rail of love? Is your rail of love going to be strong enough to take the tests that are going to come? I tell you what, a rail of love looks brilliant at a distance. Are you prepared to put and hang something on that rail? The Bible talks about this agape love that we have, that God has given it to us. He's put it in our hearts. There's no higher love than this agape love. It's a love that is so profound. It doesn't know any boundaries. It can climb massive heights, go around. It will do anything it takes. It will go to another nation. It will do whatever it takes to love somebody else. Agape love is sacrificial. It will actually put itself down in order to promote somebody else. And agape love is always moved to action. It can't sit by idly and just watch a disaster. It has to get involved. I've got to do something, agape love. It is so strong, it is compelled to love the other person, regardless if they even love them back. You love with agape love, not wanting anything in return. That's agape love. See, agape love isn't born out of emotions or feelings or attraction. It's born out of a will and an act of your mind, and it's a choice that we make. In this last couple of months, I found that, to my shame, my rail was quite thin. You see, the Bible has many different Greek words for love. One of them is eros-type love, which is a physical type of love, The Greek word implies it's an erotic type of love. It's self-satisfying, self-gratifying, self-seeking, self-pleasuring. 
But the Bible says, don't love your wives and your husbands with that kind of love. He says, I want you to love with agape love. You see, Eros loves all about me. Satisfy me, husbands. Satisfy me. My wife has to satisfy me. But agape says, no, you satisfy her. You put agape love into your marriage. It's not all about you. It's about the other person. Are you prepared to go the extra mile for your spouse, for your loved one? Are you prepared to add to that a little bit of agape love? Another word that is used in the Bible is stergo love, which is parental family love. It's a love that is based on devotion. And it's so good when you've got little kids and they love you so much. But they grow up, don't they? And all of a sudden, stergo love gets a little bit thin. And sometimes you want to break their little necks. No, 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 I just cut that out of the podcast. I shouldn't have said that. You don't want to do that. You want to add a little bit of agape love into the situation. When they've irritated you for the 20th time, you're still going to say, I still choose to love you. Now go to your room and listen and think about what I just said. I still love you. Or we're going to apply agape love in our relationships. So the fourth type of filio love is a close friendship type of love. The Bible talks about us having friendships. This friendship is based on mutual satisfaction. Complimentary, well-matched friendships that Dave and I have, but oh, can easily be disappointed. Do you know what football team he supports? That's it. Can't know. You've got to show a little bit of a God pay love. Are you prepared to love someone that supports Liverpool? You see what I mean? The love rail is going very, very thin. I had to ask myself, why, God, is this love so important? Why is loving so important? And he gave me this verse. He said, Wayne, you see, faith works by love. I'm believing God in this church for signs and wonders. I believe that signs and wonders is the dinner bell for the unsaved. I can preach the best sermon in my, in my life and they can sit there and look, mm, I'm not sure about your theology, but I tell you, when, some, when somebody gets out of wheelchair and walks, they say, I don't care about the theology, give me some of that. I want signs and wonders and miracles in my life, but it only works by love. Oh, this disease that hits my body and I need healing. Oh God, I'm praying for healing. Oh God, heal me. What's your love life like? I'm not talking just about your spouse. Faith works by love. Oh, wait a minute. I can prophesy. I get words of knowledge. I get words of wisdom. I get all of that stuff. And you know what the Bible says? Without love, I'm a, what a clanging symbol. Just a big noise. Me and my fancy sermons and my classy shirts. Nothing but a big noise. If there's no love on the back rail. I've had a challenge the last couple of weeks. My goodness. Galatians 5 says, faith works by love. Look at this verse. 2 John 6. This love means living in obedience to whatever God commands us. But look at the second part. For to walk in love towards another is unifying commandment that we've been hearing from the beginning. When I start to approach somebody with agape love, I move towards them. Even if they're stiff towards me, I'm coming closer to unity. 
closer to unity, closer to unity. And then love conquers, love wins. They will one day melt and retaliate and bring back, not retaliate, uh, reciprocate and bring that love back. You see, when two people are loving with agape love, it brings them together. But when you're doing eros love or some of those other ones, it can drift apart. But eros brings us together. You see, we think that unity is uniformity. Thank God we don't all sing the same songs. Thank goodness we don't pray the same way. Imagine if we all prayed like Gordon. Amazing. Brilliant. But I can't. I'm not the same. So for me to try and copy him is wrong. He prays better than me. I'm confident in being me. So unity is not uniformity. I don't need to have the same singing ability as Leone. We celebrate what each other's differences are in churches together. We don't want to be one big universal church. It's only one. God help us how boring that would be. But we all want to honor each other with agape love. We want to celebrate what the Baptists have, what the Methodists have, what the Anglicans have. So we celebrate their good points with agape love. And they celebrate in return our good points with agape love. And what does that do? It brings us together. So now we're unified Not uniformity, but in love. And you all know the next verse, don't you? Psalm 133 says, Where the brethren and the sisters dwell in unity or in love. Oh, how many of you want the blessing of the Lord? Are you prepared to hang a rail of love? Can you see why I've been challenged? Lastly, Colossians 3 says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, put on. And in fact, that next list, it lists all the fruit of the Spirit. I just put two there, uh, mercy, kindness, humility, and the list goes on. It's all the fruit of the Spirit. Put them on. But look at the last part of that verse. It says, and above all these things, put on love. Clothe yourself, it says. Just like Ephesians 6 would say about the armor of God. It says, put it on. It's one thing having armor. Yes, there's a sword lying there. Yes, there's a shield of faith there. Yes, there's a belt. But are you prepared to put it on? The love of God has been shed in our hearts. I've got a question for us today and for me. Am I prepared to wake up in the morning and put on that love as a decision? I choose to love you. And then I start thinking about what you've done to me. I'm not picking on him only. (laughs) When I start to think about what you've done, anger rises up. I say, no, I choose to love. But you let me down. No, I don't care. I choose to love. I'm putting on love. But I'm hurting. It's not all about me anymore because love is going to conquer. I have to say, Lord, I trust you. You said I must love. You will sort the problem out. I need to put a caveat here, please. Somebody's going to challenge me afterwards, I'm sure. I'm not saying that you need to be abused. We are not talking about abuse here. There are times where you set up boundaries and say, enough's enough. I will give you the fivefold ministry of love in a minute. I'm not saying you have to put up an abusive relationship where you've been raped or something. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying in the church generally and in the world especially, last night, yesterday, I was in tears. Some girl has taken her own life because no one showed her any love. And if I had come across a past, was my rail strong enough to show that person, that individual, some love? 
And if we're going to reach this world for Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to show some love. It's not about my style. It's not about my thinking. It's not about my getting my way. It's about showing the love of God to somebody else. Oh my goodness, I'm challenged. Please, somebody say me too. Because I'm feeling very alone. Some of you, yeah, Wayne. <laughs> we were looking at Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is all of these things. It says it's divine love. That word fruit of the Spirit in the Greek is a singular form. It's not multiple, singular, it's one fruit. The fruit is love. And all these attributes of love. And the Passion Translation gets us perfectly uh, translated here. It says, the Holy Spirit within you has given you divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, goodness, a life full of virtue, faithfulness that prevails, gentleness of heart, and self-control, which is the strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. I would like to discuss those. And just relax, I'm not going to do all of them today. I'd just like to do one or two, if you don't mind. I'd like to talk about peace. That's the dues. You see, if I want to understand my rail, I need to talk about peace. If I need to understand this rail of love, can it take the weight? I need to have an understanding of this. The word peace in the Greek is the word irene. It means the rule of order in place of chaos. It means a calm inner stability. Ability to conduct oneself peacefully, even in nerve-wracking, traumatic, or upsetting circumstances. I'm not sure I like that definition. <laughs> Does that sound nice to you? You see, peace shows up when it's contrasted against a storm of life. When a big, ugly curtain is hung on your rail, <clears throat> how are you going to behave? When the boss calls you and says, I want to see you for an appraisal, How's your love going to be? How are you going to have the peace of God that comes in? The, the Apostle Paul, he was a good illustration of this, and he was journeying around on his mission trips with uh, Dr. Luke. And Luke obviously wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And he made reference to something that Paul did and experienced that showed quite a bit of this peace. In Acts 27, Luke is writing and he tells of how Paul was going to be shipwrecked. And they were on the ship and they were heading out and a storm arose. And you know, it wasn't Dennis. It wasn't Storm Dennis. In fact, the Bible gives it a name. It was called Euroclidon. The name the Bible actually calls the name of the storm Euroclidon. And the storm came up. Now that word there, tempest storm, came up. That word tempest is the Greek word for a, a, a typhoon, a hurricane. A massive, terrible storm that was going to dash you against the rocks, hurt you, it's going to rush you. And in verse 14, Luke actually calls those words. A typhoon has come against you. How many here have experienced a typhoon in your life? A bit of a hurricane blowing through your world. Something unexpected comes and you feel yourself being pushed back out of control. You can't control. The wind is just too strong. Anyone? Yes. You didn't ask for the, the typhoon to hit you. 
But now it's driving you backwards. Luke carries on in verse 15 and says, They could not bear against the wind. They were being carried away. Oh my goodness, I know all about that. When the situations of life are so strong, you are literally just pushed along and you have no alternative. Listen guys, you didn't vote for the Brexit or whatever. It's coming. It's changing your world, your world the way you work. It's taking you along. Whether you like it or not. You're standing in front of a doctor getting a doctor's report. It's taking you on a journey whether you like it or not. Life has thrown you a storm and it's driving you. Have you noticed some of those words often apply to the mind? Oh my goodness, the attack that happens inside between my two ears, there must be an awfully big void in there because the typhoon is always inside here. I know what God's word says about the situation. But why does my mind go into these spirals, doubting it, thinking it through, analyzing it? A typhoon has come through. In verse 17, Luke carries on the description. He says they found a little, they let the ship just drag and blow, and they came into a little harbor, a little island where there was a bit of protection for a couple of days. They drag up the lifeboat and they put it on the deck, and they send some divers and they wrap a rope around the ship to try and hold it together. And you know what it says? The sailors were fearful of being dragged out and blown out into the quicksands. Do you know where the quicksands were? 400 miles away. And it would capture all of those maritime uh, ships. And people would lose their lives over and over and over. Oh my goodness, have you ever been in a quicksand situation? The more you struggle, the deeper you get. You're trying to fix it and the deeper you get. And it just feels like the sand is coming up and up and up. And finally when it gets to about here, you're battling to breathe. And you feel that like every single breath is a challenge. That's what Paul was then. And then on that time, for 14 days, no sun, no, uh, no moon, no stars. Just a wind and storm. And then an angel comes to him and says, fear not. And Paul stands up in those circumstances and says, be of good cheer, brothers. <laughs> I will kill you. I will kill you. Do you know what I'm going through? And you say, cheer up. I'll literally rip your head off your shoulders. My dad used to say, I'll rip your arm off and hit you on the head with a soggy end. <laughs> that does not adhere to health and safety standards or safeguarding. <laughs> Please don't do it in this church. Paul stands up and says, peace, come. See, Paul knew the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When a person is dominated with irony peace, they have a calm, inner ability, stability, to conduct themselves peacefully. When circumstances normally will be nerve-wracking, traumatic, and upsetting. Those who don't know Jesus, they cannot understand this. You see, it passes all understanding. See, the world's peace is based on circumstances. If things are going well, I feel peaceful. When things aren't going too well, I don't feel that peace anymore. It bypasses our understanding, the peace of God. But here's the challenge. Will you put it on? It's available to us. Will you put it on? Jesus said this. Not me, Jesus. Peace, 
I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The peace is actually a gift from Jesus himself. When times are tough, when you're going through a storm in life, when your mind is being boggled, you can't comprehend it, Jesus says, if you will put it on, I will give you my peace. But there's a condition. There's a condition. If you read the next verse, it says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. And I suddenly realized where I fall flat. I allow my heart to get troubled. I am a fantastic warrior. I think I've got a degree in warriorology. I can worry. My goodness, am I good at it. I come home and I can start to analyze the if, what if scenarios. What if this? They said this. They did this. This happened. This what? And I go through. And it's being troubled. And you know what? When I do that, when I allow myself to go into that spiral, I get deeper and deeper and deeper. And the, little, and the peace is like a little wings. It just flies away. Because I'm not obeying the words of Jesus. Am I prepared to put on that peace and say, Wayne, I refuse to think about that. I'm not going to go into a panic station. I'm not. I am going to. I'm going to use the peace of Jesus. I'm going to put it on. Joy. Joy that overflows. It's on the next page. It's not like happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances, merriment, hilarity, exuberance, excitement. Causes us to feel high, happiness does, but it's fleeting. I can prove it. I had this week happiness and sadness all in the same five minutes. The postman came, put some letters through my post box. Yes. I opened up the first one. It was from my internet service provider. And they said, you are due a refund. Here's a check for 40 pounds. Oh, bring it on. I was quite thrilled about that, and I suddenly felt very happy. And then I opened the next letter. <laughs> and that was from my insurance company, saying your premiums have gone up by 60 pounds a month for my little dogs, because we've made a claim, and you will now pay. And all of a sudden, I became very sad. But joy's not like that. Joy is not affected by circumstances. It thrives best in hard times. Joy is God's supernatural response to the attack of the enemy in our life. I've got a verse for you. The church in Thessalonica were uh, under persecution. And Paul writes to them to encourage them. and says these words in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6. And you became followers of, followers of us and the Lord having received from the world in much from the word in much affliction with joy of the holy spirit now i've highlighted the word affliction there it's a very interesting greek word i hope you're all impressed with my greek theology recently i've got a really good book that you should read that word affliction is a word called thalipsis and it means tribulation affliction weight and intense crushing they were experiencing weight and intense crushing. It refers back to a form of punishment that the Romans had in those days. They would strap a man 
his hands out like this on a board or on the ground, and his feet as well. And they'd lie flat and tie him down so he couldn't move. They would then suspend a massive boulder, 500, maybe 1,000 kilograms above him. Talk or else. And they would slowly lower this boulder until it touched his chest. And then they would keep on just dropping it another little millimeter or two. And that crushing would happen. Now all of a sudden you're battling to get breath. After a couple of minutes or an hour or two when they finish, next thing you hear your, your rib cage start to crack. As you're gasping in absolute pain and agony to get any kind of breath, when they finally release it, that boulder just falls flat and totally... I'm looking for adjectives here that are not too offensive. You got the picture. That's what the word means. Some of you are squirming because you're going through situations like this in your life. There are circumstances that happen to you that I feel like it's crushing the very life out of you. You're battling to breathe. Your mind is being attacked again. You know that word joy that you see there is also a Greek word. And it's called chara. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Chara. And it's derived from the root word charis. Take a wild guess what charis means. Grace. It's the grace of God that gives us strength. It's the grace of God that gives us joy. In the most daunting, strenuous, terrible times that are tough, it's that joy of the Lord that can give us the strength. You see, we got grace all wrong. We're thinking that grace is permission to sin and to live life any way we like. We're thinking grace could be, oh, you know, I'll get through this situation by the grace of God. That's just a cliche. Grace is not permission. Grace is an empowerment to stop you from sinning, that you can say, Lord, I tap into your grace so I don't have to sin. I tap into your grace that will overcome this situation in my life. And that grace, when the times are tough, when things are coming down upon you, what's the word of God say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. When crushing situations come on you, it's the grace inside of you that pushes back up and says, no, you're not going to kill him. Oh, you should be shouting by now. I'm telling you, in the life, it gives you the worst kind of circumstances that you can ever imagine. When you're being crushed in every side, when the storms of life are blowing, trust in God's grace, get the peace and the joy of God, it will push back up and hold you up. I'm telling you, the grace of God is equal to any storm that can come your way. In fact, it's supernally, abundantly, greater than the storm of life. Oh my goodness. Oh, will you put on joy? Or is it just a nice textbook, pretty sermon? I'm challenged. If I had to rewrite that one Thessalonian scripture, it would say this. It's paraphrased. You threw your arms open wide and gladly welcomed the word of God into your lives with great enthusiasm. And you did it even in the midst of mind-boggling suffering. A level of stress and intensity 
that would be suffocating and crushing for most people. But while you were going through all these hardships and hassles, you were simultaneously experiencing the sea, extreme and supreme joy of the Holy Spirit that gave you strength. Somebody say hallelujah. Jesus himself says, as the Father has loved me, the rail of love, I have loved you. And then he said these words, Wayne, I want you to abide, remain in my love. Could you double check the the brackets and the fixings of your love? Because life is going to throw some storms to hook on your rail. Can your love relationship hold up? Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that your joy, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy, that strength will push back. I'm finished this morning. I want to have a time of worship, if we can. Second Timothy, Timothy's going through a rough place. He, he's, he's pastoring this church, it's grown, it's doing very well. And all of a sudden people start leaving. And I love the one uh, commentator says, for ear-itching doctrines and words. People start leaving because elsewhere they're preaching nicer stuff. They're not preaching about love. They teach, they, they're preaching things that tickle your ears. His leadership were getting on his case and the pressure of life on the persecution from the world was so good that these guys were just obeying. And Paul writes to him and says these words, live your life empowered by God's free flowing grace. Why grace? Because joy comes from that grace, which is true strength. When you're going through a hard time, you need to get hold of God's grace. And it is found in the anointing of Jesus Christ, your union with him. See, this strength, this grace, this peace, and this joy, and this love is only found in the rock. Are you prepared to put your fixings of your love rail into the rock of Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask you guys to play a song for me. You can start it now, thank you. And I want us to... If you want prayer, I want you to come. We're going to have tea and coffee upstairs, by the way, because we've got no cafe. It's full of equipment. So if you want to go upstairs and have a cup of tea, but I just want to open up the front. You don't know this song, so you can sing if you, if you do know it, but I want you just for a moment just tapping to Jesus. And would you just tap in and say, Lord Jesus, I'm putting my love rail into the rock. I want to change the atmosphere. Oh, yes, I want to change the atmosphere. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Would you come in, Lord Jesus, the anointing right now and give me your peace? You want prayer? I encourage you to come to the front. We're going to have about 10 or 15 minutes worth of worship songs just happening in the background, so you feel free to leave any time. But if you need prayer because life is throwing you melons, storms of life are coming across your path and you need the joy of the Lord or the peace of the Lord, come and worship. The atmosphere is changing now. Spirit of the Lord